Ladies and gentlemen, happy Friday and welcome to our supersized edition of the Joe Biden gaffe triangle of emotion. Yes, how do you feel when you see a Joe Biden gaffe? I feel all sorts of different ways and it's hard to categorize them. They come all over this wonderful uh, world of ours and we have to try to understand how we should emotionally react to them. So we've come up with a triangle of emotion and we're gonna show you three different examples today to tell you if it's scary, is it funny, or is it just plain sad? Which one is it? And remember, it can easily be all of them. Now, it's super hot outside, at least in Texas, so let's head over to Joe to hear his thoughts on the weather. The weather may be out of control for now, but it's not beyond our control. <laughs> it's not beyond our control. This one, you know, it's kind of funny, and it's not really sad. It is, I would say, substantially scary, though. So we put the dot right up here, near scary, a little bit on the funny side, mainly because what he's talking about there, he's controlling the weather, is going to cost you approximately $100 trillion. So pretty freaking scary. Now let's see how a simple handshake with a human pile of cottage cheese, Chuck Schumer, had that go for us. All right, turn it around, Chuck shakes the hand of Joe, shakes the hand of this other guy, and then this lady, and then the other one there, I can't see you, and then back, and Joe just holds his hand out there as if they were supposed to shake hands again. Now, as much as Chuck and Joe probably like each other, I'm pretty sure that one is really, uh, honestly, funny, and it's scary, and it's honestly, geez, I don't know, it's sad too. I don't know where to put the dot on this one. We'll put it up by funny and scary, but I will tell you, that one, really sad as well. I mean, it, that one really looks like, we make fun of Joe Biden all the time, that one legitimately looks like five seconds after he took Chuck, uh, shook the hand of Chuck Schumer, he forgot he had done it. That's disturbing, boys and girls, but let's just forget about that. It's Friday. And finally, it's not Joe versus the volcano, but it is Joe versus his own jacket. Watch. Well, he's got one sleeve in. That's working well but there's a lot of wind and he can't get the other one on. Look at him go. Now he needs Dr. Jill to step in to put the other sleeve of his jacket on. This one here is more of a physical uh, issue. No one's under the impression that he's in good physical condition, okay? And then he drops it, of course. He bent over and picked it up though. That was pretty impressive. Uh, the bottom line here is, uh, I, it's sad. It's sad, the guy's getting older. Uh, it doesn't scare me. It, he doesn't. To be a good president, he doesn't need to be uh, be able to put his jacket on. He is a terrible president, whether he can do it or not. So that's kind of scary. But I would say this one mostly sad and certainly a little bit funny. And that's how you figure out the Joe Biden gaffe triangle of emotion. If you'll excuse me for a moment, I need to cry into my pillow. Stu does America. Subscribe to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew to save 10 bucks. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to click like on this video right now and comment below. The algorithm robots will love you for that. We'll talk about the new school year with Tuttle Twins author Connor Boyack. Uh, we will also, by the way, talk about the House. They're going to vote today on Biden's giant inflation bill. But we start by doing Trump going nuclear. Yes, it's got a double meaning, boys and girls. He's gone nuclear on the Democrats and apparently was stealing our nuclear secrets. It's true. No, can you believe anything in this story, though? Can you believe anything in this saga yet? 
I've yet to find anything that isn't reversed within moments or is so completely unbelievable, I don't believe it at the beginning and I still don't believe it now. For example, the Biden White House was unaware that the FBI was going to search Trump's Mar-a-Lago home until the former president announced it on social media. Now, to think about how stupid they have to believe you are for you to believe this, you have to not only believe that in the whole lead up to this, no one said anything, including Merrick Garland, the guy they wanted in the Supreme Court and specifically appointed to this role, didn't say anything, didn't leak it to anybody, no back channel contact, nothing. They had no idea. But you also have to believe that the FBI went into this building working with Secret Service, who also surround Joe Biden, Secret Service, and... You have to believe that they got in there at like 8 a.m. and worked until like 3 p.m., seven hours. They were at Mar-a-Lago searching before Donald Trump even announced this. So you have to believe for for seven hours they were searching Mar-a-Lago and no word of this somehow got to Joe Biden through that entire time. You have to be a complete idiot to believe that story. It's impossible to believe. No one could possibly believe it. And yet, not only did they try to tell it to you, they tried to tell it to you again yesterday. As we await A.G. Merrick Garland in his statement, this is yesterday from Kelly O'Donnell, a senior White House official tells me the Biden White House was not informed this was (laughs) happening. We have had no notice that he was giving remarks and no briefing on the content of them. If you believe that, you will believe anything, anything. There is no limit to how gullible you are. Congratulations. Um, So I don't know how to even look at any any of the headlines coming out about this story because they seem to change. They're totally unbelievable. The, the, The narrative changes seemingly minute by minute. The big one, I guess, in the last 24 hours was from The Washington Post. The FBI searched Trump's home to look for nuclear documents and items, sources say. I just, yes, he was, I'm sure he's, that's what's happening here. Classified documents relating to nuclear weapons were among the uh, items FBI agents sought in a search of former President Donald Trump's Florida residence on Monday, according to people familiar with the investigation. Experts in classified information said the unusual search underscores deep concern among government officials about the type of information they thought could be located at Trump's Mar-a-Lago club and potentially in danger of falling into the wrong hands. The people who described some of the material uh, that agents were seeking spoke on the condition of anonymity, of course, to discuss an ongoing investigation. Wow, a lot of leaks coming out of these very tight-lipped departments. They did not offer additional details about what type of information the agents were seeking, including whether it involved weapons belonging to the United States or some other nation. Nor did they say if such documents were recovered as part of the search. A Trump spokesman did not respond to requests for comment. The Justice Department and FBI declined to comment. So I guess what we're supposed to believe here is Donald Trump building a nuclear weapon in his basement. Um, I, I don't know. He's doing a it, he's it's not the Manhattan Project. It must be the West Palm Beach Project. This is sort of ridiculous, right? Like we what, what's the accusation here? Honestly, I struggled with what the accusation even was. I was talking to a friend of mine who's a Democrat and he, you know, was, you know, again, as sensible as he could possibly be as a Democrat. And I said, hey, you know, what's the accusation here? Can you explain it to me? 
Is it just that they say he's being reckless with something that could fall into the wrong hands? I mean, there's obviously the public's coming through Mar-a-Lago. What, what is the accusation here? And he said the far left, not him, but the far left was saying, hey, uh, we think he might be selling nuclear secrets to Saudi Arabia. And somehow that's tied into the live golf tour that he just had an event at his, uh, his country club. So basically, the former president of the United States is selling nuclear secrets to get golf events at his country clubs. That's the state of it. That's where we are. That's, that's how sane the world is right now. Donald Trump, of course, responded to, uh, not, to the, not to the golf event part of it, but uh, the, the story at Washington Post. He said, nuclear weapons issue is a hoax, just like Russia. Russia was a hoax. <laughs> Russia, Russia, Russia. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That was a hoax. Two impeachments were a hoax. The Mueller investigation was a hoax and much more. Same sleazy people involved. Why wouldn't the FBI allow inspection of areas at Mar-a-Lago with our lawyers or others present? Made them wait outside in the heat. Wouldn't even let them get close. Said absolutely not. Planting information, anyone? Reminds me of a Christopher Steele dossier. Now, there is some uh, rumor, at least. or I wouldn't say it's rumor. I guess it's a uh, comment from one of his kids that said they recorded this conversation. So if that stuff happened, maybe eventually we will hear it. So yesterday we had this thing. We uh, we briefly talked about where Garland comes out. He makes this big speech and he says, we'll release the warrant. We don't care. I'm calling Donald Trump's bluff. Well, I was it a bluff. We don't know. <laughs> I don't, we, we don't know if it was a buff. I guess he could theoretically uh, release them himself, but he says he is not going to oppose. Trump says he uh, will not oppose the Mar-a-Lago search warrant release. Here's what he said. Not only will I not oppose the release of documents unrelated to un-Amer- uh, the un-American, unwarranted, and unnecessary raid and break-in of my home in Palm Beach, Florida, Mar-a-Lago. Lots of commas. Too many commas. Here. God, I hate social media. No one knows how to write any sentences anymore. Um, I'm going a step farther by encouraging the immediate release of those documents, even though they have been drawn up by radical left Democrats and possible future political opponents who have a strong and powerful vested interest in attacking me as they have done for the past six years. That was one sentence there, by the way. That's... I mean, I know run-on sentences can get a little out of control. People get a little upset about the grammar stuff. But, I mean, I, a period. I, I mean, he ended it with three periods, which is not really what I was looking for. But, anyway. Um, my poll numbers are the strongest they have ever been. Fundraising by the Republican Party is breaking all records, and the midterm elections are fast approaching. This unprecedented political weaponization of law enforcement is inappropriate and highly unethical. The world is watching as our country is being brought to a new low, not only on our border, crime, economy, energy, national security, and so much more, but also with respect to our sacred elections, release the documents now. That would be fantastic. I think we all would like to see the documents. And I don't know that we're going to know the whole story, but we'll at least get a little piece of this. If you are uh, Merrick Garland, if you are the Justice Department and you want to do this the best way possible, you had to get you had to build to this. You honestly had to be making announcements about how we've asked for a subpoena on this date and we have not heard back yet. We're still asking if we do not get it by this date, we may have to go and go to the uh, the uh, the property itself and get these documents ourselves. They're very important to our national security, whatever. And you might say, well, then he would move them. Well, he's had a year and a half to move them. Okay, so if he was going to move them, he could probably have moved them a long time ago. But you needed to, like, let the public in. One of the first pieces of response, we talked about it uh, right as this story broke, was that they never subpoenaed Donald Trump. They just skipped that step and went right to the raid. Then later on, we hear there was a subpoena. Is it true? I don't know. 
I don't know. It seems like the FBI is just leaking whatever they want to whoever they want, uh, whomever they want. And uh, as I'm complaining about grammar and all of this goes down with no real connection or path for us to find out what is actually freaking true. It's a bad idea. And it's a really bad idea when you're Merrick Garland and you've been telling us that right wing domestic terrorism is our nation's biggest threat. Well, who's going to get pissed off about this? Lots of just regular Trump voters. And if there are those domestic terrorists out there on the right, which we know are not certainly in not large numbers, but if they do exist, they're going to be really pissed off about this. And it doesn't make any sense. It also doesn't make sense how this went down. I mean, what are we supposed to believe here? Donald Trump is selling nuclear secrets. Ben Shapiro brings up a very good point. Just to get this straight, we're now supposed to believe that the material Trump has stored in this house was nuclear content so sensitive, the FBI waited a year and a half to get it and used the National Archives as a prop to do so? It's true. Now, I, I've talked to a couple sources in law enforcement uh, over the last couple of days. Some of the speculation revolves around the idea that there may have been confidential informants, which has sort of been reported, and recording devices on premises. And the idea being they knew the documents were there. They wanted to see if they could catch Trump or somebody close to him saying something that would make this worse. Uh, essentially using these documents for some sort of political or financial gain. I don't know if that's true. It's speculation, but this is how some of these these uh, investigations go down. Scott Adams uh, is not at all surprised that people are frustrated about this. And here's why. If you believe uh, Trump squirreled away some nuclear secrets at Mar-a-Lago and refused to return them because you heard the Washington Post say two anonymous sources that CNN can't confirm told them that it was true, I give you some useful context. And he goes through the list. The Russia collusion hoax, the Steele dossier hooker story. That was a fun one. Russia paying bounties on U.S. soldiers in Afghanistan. Trump called neo-Nazis fine people. We've gone over that. That was totally misreported. Trump suggested drinking and injecting bleach to fight COVID. Not really what he said. Trump overfed koi fish in Japan. That one I don't even remember. Honestly, Trump cleared protesters with tear gas. Hunter's laptop was Russian disinformation. Elections were fair because no court has found major fraud. January 6th was an insurrection to overthrow the government. Uh, Trump tried to grab the steering wheel of the beast. Whether you agree or disagree with some of those, the bottom line is there's been so many times the media told you they're going to be able to prove these terrible things against Donald Trump. And then it didn't wind up living up to the hype. Now, Maggie Haberman is coming out. She's a big reporter. Trump Hates her and loves her at the same time. Uh, and this one comes out now. They now uh, have a copy of the warrant, shockingly. Here's one of the criminal co uh, codes referenced in the Trump warrant. It's 18 U.S. Code 1519. It's destruction, alteration, or falsification of records in federal investigations and bankruptcy. Here's the code if you want to go through it and read it. I don't know. Take a screenshot. I'm not going to go through all the nonsense. But basically, it basically is written so broadly that if you have thrown out a piece of paper within the last two decades, you're guilty of it. So congratulations, you're going to prison. Again, we were, I thought it was about National Archives. Then it was about nuclear secrets. Now it's about uh, falsification of records and federal investigations and bankruptcy. I don't know what to believe, honestly, at this point. I do know that this is not the way they should have done this. And they better have the goods, something much better than what they've leaked out so far, if to, to, to justify what the country is going through. And I mentioned... You know, the 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 Merrick Garland connection here, Garland has been telling everybody for years the biggest threat against us is the right wing and those domestic terrorists. 
Well, we had an incident where a suspect was killed in a standoff after alleged attempt to breach an FBI office in Cincinnati. And if you're looking at this picture, I feel bad for the CBS anchor because it looks like he was the one who did it. I think that's just the guy telling the story. Uh, But the point here is that this stuff, uh, we don't know for sure if this was tied to frustration about this incident, though there are several social media posts that indicate that, at least they're being reported at this point. I don't put anything by the media. We may find out it's completely fake later on. But the point, I only bring that up to illustrate one specific thing. Uh, And I, I, I bring you a request from the media. The media desperately wants you to act out. They desperately want you to do something terrible. Now, look, you're, lis- you're listening to this show. You're part of this audience. You're already one of the best people in America. I mean, that's already known. So I know you're not going to do anything. But there are people out there on the right who maybe are way down conspiracy holes. Maybe they're just really frustrated. Maybe they're good people. And they've, they've had a rough go. I don't know. I don't know who those people might be. I don't know any of them. But, you know, with a country of 350 million people, there's going to be some. And people who see this news and think we've crossed a line that can't be uncrossed, it's scary. It's dangerous. But we have to resist anybody that you know. Have them resist the temptation. Don't take the bait. The, they want you to act out. They want another January 6th or worse to be able to point to, to say how evil you are, to take your rights, to take your privileges, to take your ability to do the things that you want to do, to squash your, uh, your freedoms in this country. They want it. And they will take advantage of it if even one person gives it to them. So make sure you don't take the bait. Old routines die hard. About those, you know, multiple cups of coffee a day becomes a habit. Maybe the sugary energy drinks you're using to stay alert. What if there's a healthier way to get the sustained energy you need and leave all the caffeine and all the sugar and all the calories maybe behind? Well, there is a way. It's called Super Beat Heart Chews. You can unwrap one or two in the morning and you can enjoy them because they freaking taste good. So you're going to actually like it. But then also uh, they'll give you the energy uh, to, to get throughout the day. Now, you know, if you've never if you've never had beets, if you're not a beet person, I will say I'm not a beet person. I don't want to have a, a, I skip over the beet salad section of all the menus. I don't really want to eat beets. That's why they made super beet heart shoes because everyone knows there's a lot of really good things in beets that give you energy and give you all sorts of health benefits. But people don't necessarily want to eat beets. They do want to eat super beet heart shoes. They're ch- tasty. The ones I have are cherry flavor. I'm not sure how many flavors they have, but they, there's, they're just really, they just taste really good. And you get the benefits of the stuff that you're supposed to be eating. I don't want to eat salads. I want to eat super beet heart shoes. Uh, you can uh, do more for your heart and treat yourself better with super beet heart shoes to make it easy to get started. You can get up to 45% off plus free shipping at superbeets.com stew. Hurry, it is their best offer available anywhere superbeats.com slash stew for up to 45% off it's superbeats.com slash stew well back to school time is here Uh, if you have kids you know that of course you also know they're going to go to school and learn all sorts of nonsense that's why we have Connor Boyack here he is a uh, the president of the Libertas Institute and author 
of the massively popular and best-selling Tuttle Twins book series, one of my kids' favorites. We've read a ton of these together. Zach and Ainsley love these, and so many do, uh, others do as well. Connor, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me, Stu. Appreciate it. Yeah, let me, let's start with, with the series first, because yeah. I want to get to your new book, too. The series is fantastic. Uh, you know, I've got the, the kids' whole stack here, which I'm going to force Connor to sign here in just a moment. <laughs> um, uh, but, like, what's really interesting about this is you're teaching foundational lessons that support kind of the American experiment, the idea mm-hmm. behind it, the idea behind capitalism, the idea behind some of the most important concepts that we have in our society, but you're teaching them to kids in a fun way that they, I can attest, they actually do want to read. The, the whole idea here is we take classic books that no one really reads anymore and we turn them into kids' versions. So all of those books are based off of really important books. We've got uh, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt, The Road to Serfdom by mm. Nobel Prize winning F.A. Hayek, economist, back when free market economists actually won Nobel Prizes. Mm. Not so much anymore. <laughs> Atlas Shrugged. You know, we, t- we take these like really important books that if you stop the average person on the street and say, hey, you ought to read this, what are the chances that they're going to do it? Very low. So the sneaky thing that we're doing here is <laughs> even though these are children's books, mom and dad are often learning for the first time some of these ideas that just aren't being taught in the schools anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we say, hey, this is a family experience. You guys can read together, talk about it. We've got discussion questions, activity workbooks. But the whole idea is to get dinner table discussions going where we're talking about these real world ideas about what is money? Why is inflation happening? Uh, what does entrepreneurship look like? What does the golden rule mean in our society today? And uh, it's these lessons that are really absent in a lot of our schools. And so we're going into the homes and saying, here, you guys can learn about it together. Yeah. Uh, one of the ones we read together recently was uh, The Spectacular Show Business, um, which it's interesting because it tells the story of, of kids kind of coming up with their own. They want to start a theater and they go through the process. And as I'm reading it with my daughter, I was thinking, like, this is actually explaining how to do it. It's not just like this nice little story about how they build this thing and it's successful and it's this wonderful tale. That's in there. But also, like... Yeah, how what the costs are and how to think things out and how to uh, borrow money from from their grandparents. A business plan. A, a business plan. Like yeah. come up with a real process. And of course, I should tell you that after this, I had to go through about ten different business ideas with All my right. kids. But that's a great thing, <laughs> and it, it's, it's not out there. It's not out there. And again, even if you have a little class in school where they like learn about business, it's uh, more theoretical. It's maybe very brief, then they move on to the next topic. There's no support there. Whereas with you and your kids, you can sit down and the wheels are turning. You're coming up with ideas. On Saturday, you're trying something out. And so the discussions we see coming out of the Tuttle Twins are huge because parents are seeing these light bulb moments with their kids that they've never really seen before. Parents are increasingly worried not just that the schools aren't teaching the good stuff, but they're also teaching a lot of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And so for them, Tuttle Twins is kind of a shield and a sword to say, defend yourself against the bad ideas, but then let's proactively do some good to help your kids promote and understand these good ideas that they're not going to learn anywhere else. It's important to do the short-term stuff like voting and and being active, but also the long-term stuff of educating kids so they have these foundations so it's not crazy to them, you know. Um, You mentioned the parents learning stuff. Mm -hmm. I I was talking to several parents about these books, you know, just in my town, and, and the one I kept coming back to to explain what you were trying to do was iPencil, mm-hmm. an incredibly famous economic essay that describes, maybe you can describe it a little bit for people who haven't seen. Yeah. Uh, but what I was shocked about is every time I brought that up, none of the adults knew what I was talking about. Right. And that's, uh, that's a shocking thing to me because it's like a foundational piece of capitalism. It totally is. Uh, very briefly, this essay written, I believe, in the 50s by Leonard Reed, is an autobiography of a pencil. And he says, I'm a common object. No one knows how to make me, though. I'm a very simple pencil, and yet I require the collaborative efforts of 
millions of people working together for all the different component parts and then all the people who support those people, the loggers and the truck uh, drivers, the people who build the roads that the truck drivers move on, that even a common pencil requires all of us working together, people who don't even speak the same language, don't share religion, maybe their governments are even warring and yet the people are working together and the market brings us together. I, uh, I got an email a few months ago from a dad who was in a grocery store and they were walking down the chip aisle, uh, he and his nine-year-old daughter, and he turns to, to his side, she's not there, he goes back, she's standing next to the potato chips. He's like, honey, why did you stop? She turns to her dad, having read the Miraculous Pencil Tuttle Twins book, I think uh, earlier that day or, or the previous day. She turns to her dad and says, dad, I get it. Spontaneous order. That's why there's all these potato chips and there's no one in charge of which flavor, which kind. And the dad's emailing me this proud dad moment. He's like, my daughter knows more economics than most Congress uh, congressmen, right? And so it's these little light bulb moments where, where kids can really understand in ways that apply to their world. Every parent wants that for their kids, to give them a leg up, to help them kind of understand these ideas. It's just that today's textbooks and teachers are really deficient when it comes to sparking those kind of critical thinking and creative discussions, and so that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and, and that one in particular, too, it's such a, a foundational solution to so many bigger problems, right? Like, you, you mentioned, like, even the governments can be war and yet somehow they're working together to bring products. That's what trade was at the beginning. You know, warring tribes, right, that made different things and they'd somehow come up, come together and capitalism found a way to get both sides of people who hated each other what they needed. And you're seeing now in our society where some of that is starting to break down. You know, I mean, people are getting more and more tribal. People uh, are getting, you know, if you if you have the wrong opinion, you get tossed off of social media. You can't you can't even get your a credit card to you know to sell your product. I mean, the, it, we're going down a scary road here, are we not? I, I think we are, and I think understanding our history and understanding these ideas is what can unite us. I, I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of division. There's a lot of difference, but. Well, even these, you described them at the outset as kind of these American values, and they are, but we translate these books into many languages because mm -hmm. the principles of human flourishing and freedom are not just an, Amer an American thing. I think they're rooted heavily in the American kind mm -hmm. of experience and founding, uh, but just like the Constitution has been copied by so many other countries, we think the principles in these books can unite people of, of different ethnic, religious, cultural backgrounds and really bring us together. I am worried about that toxicity. I don't think our schools are, are helping very much. <laughs> no. If anything, they're contributing to the cause in many respects. And so um, that's one of my long-term goals is to say, if we can focus on these principles, especially with kids and help them understand that people of, of different backgrounds that we can work together, that just because we disagree with someone, it doesn't mean that we're their enemy. These are the things I think that can unite us. And, and I think that's why we have to focus on principles so mm. much. Yeah, and your, your efforts here are pushing back against something very real and very large right now which Very large. is the, the, the uh, our education system right now is pushing things like the 1619 project, right? Like critical race theory, uh, the anti-racist uh, anti -racist baby. Right. <laughs> I mean, all of this stuff really exists and is being pushed. Your new book, I, you know, kind of directly takes that on. It's yep. called uh, Amer the Tuttle Twins series of stories, America's history, 1215 to 70, 70, 1776. Can you, can you kind of give us a walkthrough of what you were thinking when you put the book together? So two and a half years ago, I bought a whole bunch of social studies books. I wanted to see how our kids mm -hmm. learn about the Constitution, the Revolutionary War, oh in schools. And, that must and have been terrifying. It was terrifying, <laughs> but you know, as you might expect. I'm, I'm reading all these books, doing a little bit of an analysis, and all of them uh, did a fantastic job at teaching what I call superficial history. Names, dates, facts, all the mm -hmm. minutia that young Connor had to memorize. I'd raise my hand, why do I need to put your hand down? It'll be on the test, right? right? But there was no context for why any of that mattered. 
What the books all miserably failed uh, in doing is explaining why those things mattered and more importantly, how they relate to our world today. We all know this quote, uh, those who don't learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. The problem is today's books completely suck when it comes to teaching young people to learn from the past. They all just teach kids about the past. It's almost like we're walking kids to this American History Museum and we're saying, look, they used to dress like that. Oh, they used to eat hardtack. Look at the cannonballs. Okay, kids, let's go to the cafeteria. And it's this very <laughs> passing review of history where yeah. nothing sticks, nothing's deep, nothing helps kids make better decisions about the world around them today. So our book is designed not just to explain what happened in early American history, but more importantly, why these things happened, like what motivated the founding fathers, um, the, the ideas, the philosophies, the concepts that they were debating, and then how those same ideas apply to our world today so that young kids reading these books can start to have discussions with their parents or teachers and say, all right, this happened in 1770 whatever, what does it mean for us in 2022, three and four? And so that's where I think history can be very empowering, but we have to present it the right way all these textbooks did a horrible job, and it's our hope with that book that we can start to correct the trend. Yeah, I mean, it really is important because I, I think you get now people of a certain age, kids and in their, their 20s and probably even older than that, see, I don't know, the American experiment, this idea with freedom, this experiment in self-governance, uh, capitalism, as these tools of evil rich people, slave owners, uh, people who hated anyone that was different than them. And when you go back and you look at their writings, of course, it's not at all about that. I mean, they, they, they took great pains to fight back against these types of concepts, and they believed uh, uh, that these that freedom that capitalism that that this this approach to government would eventually bring more prosperity and and uh, and a better society than anyone had ever seen in the history of the world and it's impossible to deny that that wound up coming true yeah yet they are treated as villains they How? are and i i surmise that this is intentional when you look into the people behind critical race theory 1619 project it's not just about casting the founding fathers as these white supremacist bigots. It's not a, about saying that America started with slavery. It's about discrediting the individuals in, involved so that we can discard their ideology. I mm. believe that the people promoting these modern kind of reframing narratives are trying to undermine the classical liberal ideas that the founding fathers uh, stood for. Why else tear down the statues of Washington and Jefferson and the like? It's not about them as individuals. It's about trying to attack the ideas, as you point out, that they stood for. Those ideas today, these people are largely Marxist, uh, collectivist, progressives. They want to discredit that American heritage, that found those foundational ideas. That's all the more reason why we're trying to do what we're doing is because these ideas are under attack. And as I tell parents in our community, you will lose every battle that you don't know that you're even fighting. If you don't realize that our kids' minds are ground zero, in this ideological war, mm -hmm. you're gonna lose. And so you have to recognize that there are other people trying to reach and teach your kids. You have to give them a shield, you have to defend them, you have to give them that foundation. Otherwise you're sending them off to this battle that they don't even know is being waged and they're gonna lose. So parents have to be intentional, they have to wake up, they have to realize that they can't just rely on the school system, they can't rely on TikTok, they <laughs> can't rely on all these things to teach their kids. They have to do something about it. That's where parents start to freak out and say, oh, I don't know what to do, and that's where we come in to help. We should point out that TikTok is run by the Chinese Communist Party, so definitely point. <laughs> you should not trust it. Um, give me two things here, Connor. 
One, how people can get these books for their kids, for their kids. But also, I know a lot of people are going to wonder, how do we get these books into schools so that kids are learning from these stories rather than the 1619 Project? Totally. So TuttleTwins.com is where we send everyone. We've got amazing deals on the website uh, where we offer free activity workbooks. Uh, this history book in particular comes with 200 pages of curriculum and an audiobook and all kinds of stuff. So you can find it all at TuttleTwins.com. Um, and actually, in a few months, we're going to be starting a campaign uh, designed to get these books into schools oh, far great. more aggressively than we've ever done. We've got some donors who are interested and our customers. Um, and so when you buy the books from us, you're going to be on our email list and we're going to be able to launch that campaign hopefully in a few months because what we've seen is there's a lot of effort to get some bad, crazy books out of the school libraries. What we're wanting to do with the Tuttle Twins is to get some good books into the libraries and promote it so kids can be reading these things in the schools. That's fantastic. Um, my kids uh, love these books. Um, if you're going back to school right now, Get this book so that your kids will actually learn history, and then you can talk to them about what the truth is. It's really important. Uh, America's uh, The Tuttle Twins Series of Stories, America's History, 1215 to 1776. Go, that's a big one. Goes along with all the uh, the shorter stories, uh, the Tuttle Twins series. They're all fantastic. I can, can't highly uh, recommend them enough. Uh, Connor, thanks so much for coming on the program, man. I Thank really you, appreciate Stu. it. I appreciate it. All right, back in a second. Take your summer adventures to the next level with Bespoke Post and their new seasonal lineup of must-have Box of Awesome collections. Do you need a gift for your dad or a friend, somebody who just loves really cool stuff and you don't know what to get them? And we're all, we've all been in that position before. I have no idea half the time what to buy people. Bespoke Post is a great way to go because they partner with small businesses and emerging brands to bring you the most unique goods every month. From camping gear essentials to beach day, travel must-haves. I have a bunch of, I've had you know, two uh, really great travel bags that I have. You know, duffel bags that like, you know, not the stuff that you'd get in a normal store. They're cool. They've got really cool features. Uh, travel bags for planes with all these cool features. Um, if you happen to be traveling a lot, you know you got you know, someone in your life that's, you know, a salesman and is on the plane all the time. Stuff's awesome. Boxofawesome.com. Your answers with their little quiz is going to help them pick the right box of awesome for you. They release new boxes every month across a ton of different categories, and each box is valued around $70, but you do only pay a fraction of that price. It's free to sign up. You can skip a month or cancel any time. It's nice and easy. Get 20% off your first monthly box when you sign up for Box of Awesome at boxofawesome.com. Enter the code STU at checkout. It's boxofawesome.com. Code is STU for 20% off your first box. Again, boxofawesome.com. Code is Stu. So do you like Ron DeSantis? Do you hate Ron DeSantis? Either way, would you like to hear what Ron DeSantis has to say about the state of our country? Well, then you should probably check out Glenn Beck's newest podcast with, wait for it, Ron DeSantis. Yes, if you're a Blaze TV subscriber, you've already experienced that. Why? Because it dropped yesterday for you, those of you smart enough to be part of the incredible Blaze TV team. If you don't have a Blaze TV subscription, well, you can catch it tomorrow on Glenn's YouTube page and over at your favorite podcast platform. Check it out. See, will Glenn call Ron DeSantis Rick DeSantis? He does it all the time off the air. I really want him to do it to his face. We'll have to, we'll have to check that one out. Blaze TV subscribers get access to Glenn's podcast every week uh, and tons of other content uh, early. They get it days before it goes out free for everyone else. You don't want to be, you know, late. You want to be behind everyone else, do you? Of course not. Life, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and check it out, you might miss it. 
And uh, that was a sort of a quote from Ferris Bueller. Take the lead now from your own uh, subscription to Blaze TV. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Enter the promo code stew. You're going to get 10 bucks off. A pretty sweet deal considering you're already getting the jump on everyone else as it is. Blazetv.com slash stew. Head there now. Use the promo code stew and save 10 bucks. Stay on the cutting edge. So the House is going to vote on uh, today to pass the Democrats sweeping health care and climate bill, which is weird because I was told it was called the Inflation Reduction Act. So I thought it was supposed to reduce inflation, but they're saying it's a sweeping health care and climate bill. Shocking. Um, This bill, of course, is a, you know, it's over 700 billion dollars of just rando spending on generic Democratic priorities, wish list items, scams. Uh, my, my favorite part of this so far, I think we talked a little bit about it yesterday, is this uh, electric car credit. Basically, they jammed so many things into this credit. You know, if you go back uh, to the, the beginning of the electric car thing, they had these $7,500 credits for you to buy new electric cars. But it was just supposed to help the industry start out. Of course, that's how these things always start, right? So it was supposed to be the first 200,000 vehicles any company sells gets this tax credit. Well, companies like Tesla and GM blew by that number a long time ago, so they, weren't, they haven't been getting the credit. So they're like, well, we need to get the credit to those people. So they put the credit in now for everybody, and they put in a used vehicle credit as well, all these different things. Well, they, of course, tried to please all of their lobbyists and everything and jammed in so much protectionism and other random environmental things that now 70% of all electric cars do not qualify for, for the credit anymore. And over time, over a couple of years, no one will, will qualify for it. And now it looks like new companies like uh, Rivian and uh, what's the other one? Um, Lucid Air, th- th- that company as well. Their cars are too expensive to qualify, so they don't get anything. So the startups aren't going to get the credit, and now the long-term existing companies will get it. Makes perfect sense, of course. Make sure to follow the show on podcast and, of course, on YouTube as well. You can get all the shows for free right there and feed the algorithms. Click like right now. If you're watching, click like right now on the video. We really would appreciate it no matter where you are. As well as comment below. Uh, The algorithm robots absolutely love when you do that. Uh, Peter Peter writes, five out of five stars for this stupid show. Stu, my seven-year-old daughter wants you to do more Stu Eats America episodes. Please try something new. My three-year-old son also likes Stu Eats America God bless. Well, you're raising good children, obviously. And here's the thing, a little known fact. We did like a hundred of these Stu Eats Americas, and then the guy who was working on them, the editor, left the company. Now, I don't know if it was because of the Stu Eats America work he didn't want to do, um, but now we have like a million unfinished and we never really got to them. But so how do we solve that? Well, I'll just eat on the show, you know, instead of doing separate episodes just for the web, I'll eat them right now. So it's time for Stu Eats America. We've got... Three different items to try. Let me try uh, number one. Is Melville Sweet and Sour Lollipop. And so far you're like, okay, I can see that being pretty good. Except this one is pickle flavored. Now, why? This, first of all, looks like something totally different. Um, But here it is. It does look like a pickle. And uh, I don't really like pickles. I don't think this will be good. But we grade on, a, on like the old school sort of grading, uh, school grading system, you know, A plus to F 
Uh, here we go. Let's try it out. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that is weird. That is really, really weird. It's really salty-ish, right? It's got that... I mean, it tastes like a pickle, but kind of sweet. I, I will say it's not nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. Now, I will say, what I, order, what I buy one of these Melville handcrafted in the USA sweet and sour lollipops, uh, no, I, I would not. However, if you absolutely love pickles and you're like, how do I get a pickle to be unhealthy? Each one I eat has like zero calories. You can buy this, and then you can have an unhealthy pickle. I'll give that, I will say, I'll give it a C-, minus, which is a way higher than I thought I was going with it. But i got to move on because I am very excited about the next item. This one, very rarely, very rarely, do I eat something that I have absolutely no idea what I'm about to get myself into. I usually, you have an impression, right? It might be a new company coming out with a flavor that you've tried before from somebody else. I am about to try something from one of my favorite brands that I have absolutely no idea what it tastes like. Tangy Tamarind Doritos. Now, I don't know what tamarind tastes like. I've probably had it before, but I don't know what it tastes like. And this is a tangy version of it. I will also say, it's a little disturbing. If you look closely at the, it seems like an exciting package here. You know? Wow, look at that. It's, uh, it's got the big bright colors and everything. And it's got an exclamation point at the end. So it's Tangy Tamarind. But I will say, if you look closely at the exclamation point, it is a lightning bolt, and I'm a little concerned. It's a little SS. It's a little SS-esque, if that's a thing. But I'm going to eat it anyway. Mmm, interesting, interesting. Okay, tangy tamarind Doritos. Mmm. Apologize for the crunching. I gotta tell you, those are freaking good. There's some odd, sim- there's something about them, like there's a similarity almost to like a, there's like almost like a breakfast cereal taste to them in some way. But they're, they are very tangy. And I will say, first, first one, delicious. I'm gonna try one more. put this in like my top tier of Doritos flavors but that's edible and I could easily polish this whole, this whole bag off and it's a it'll happen as soon as we go off the air I gotta say that's interesting it's kind of spicy sour zing it's some it's kind of close to the Thai the sweet Thai chili ones a little bit almost which I love they're one of my favorite flavors of Doritos these are really good I'll give these an A minus solid from Doritos innovating I, I, I think I could eat a whole bag of those and Finally, we have these. The Reese's Ultimate Peanut Butter Peanut Butter Cups. Yes, this is peanut butter on the outside and peanut butter on the inside. And as we all know, Reese's, of course, is famous for their whole, hey, we've got peanut butter and chocolate together, and, and that's a great combination. And it is. It's one of my favorite uh, treats. Although I will say, my favorite of all time is the Reese's Pieces, which is just peanut butter and the candy shell. Like, there's no chocolate really involved there, and it's fantastic. Now, I will be stunned if I don't absolutely love these, but I'm gonna try them for the first time. Reese's Ultimate Peanut Butter Lovers. 
Oh, man. I mean, these people over at Reese's, I think of the work they've done for this country. Now, we talk about making our, you know, our military, our heroes, our first responders. I mean, the people at Reese's are the people that should really get the credit here. How many awards have we given to Reese's? This is fantastic. I could eat 100 of these things. They're super peanut butter. This reminds me, I used to go get a sundae that had chocolate and peanut butter on it, and I would go and say, no hot fudge, extra peanut butter. And that's what it reminds me of. It, it's an absolutely incredible sundae, an absolutely incredible candy. You should get these in your life. If you like the peanut butter stuff like I do, a freaking plus. I will say Reese's ultimate peanut butter lovers. I mean, I could have predicted this long ago. All right. There you go. Stu Eats America. We'll try to get some of those other episodes out at some point as well. Make sure to uh, don't eat too much of this stuff uh, over the weekend. You, you, you don't want to you don't want to grow into, uh, you know, a, a balloon. You try not to balloon yourself out too much eating this stuff like I'm about to. We'll see you next week. <laughs>